podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Come on, boys. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. Just me today, the Grant underscore KSU. Scott gets the day off today for PTSD precautions due to being in Stillwater for the game. I tried to warn him, but he didn't listen to me, and he went back to that hellhole that is Stillwater and suffered another traumatic loss. But it is what it is. Um, We're back. It was a crazy night yesterday, Saturday night, and a crazy day today, so apologies if this show sucks. Um, I'm not really operating with any sort of outline or anything in front of me. This is kind of all coming off the cuff. Um, My son was crazy um, yesterday. He's been crazy for four or five days in a row now, and he took a nice um, spill yesterday. I set him down on the bed and looked away for about three seconds, and he rolled off the bed and smashed his head on the ground, and we had our first scary baby fall um, that kind of ruined the night. It happened, like, right before kickoff, and it totally fucked up the, basically, viewing of the game. It fucked up my whole mood, Um, so I was just on edge before the game even started, because I thought my son might be dying of a fractured skull. So, he's okay, seemingly, now, but um, it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy all day today, meaning Sunday. I meant to record this show at 8 a.m., and it's now 8 p.m. There's just no time. There's just no time to get anything done anymore. I don't know how parents do it. I have the utmost respect for people that have kids now. Because it's just hard. There's no time in the day. But um, it's always tough. It's always tough to do solo shows ranting and raving to yourself. It's a strange, difficult thing to do. And, um, you know, I'm a narcissist, but I don't like talking to myself. And I don't like listening to myself. But um, I guess I'll mostly be ranting today because... As we all know, K-State lost last night to Oklahoma State in what is truly, at this point, I think it's safe to say, our house of horrors. Um, One in seven in our last eight trips to Stillwater. Um, And all of those came after the turn of the century. You know, we really only had success there in the 90s. Um, But since the turn of the century, they have owned us in Stillwater getting our lone win in a game that wasn't necessarily meaningful in 2017 when the legend of Skylar Thompson's freshman year, he dropped dimes and Pringle went off. But, you know, outside of that, we've had pretty much only nightmares in Stillwater. And I vowed to never return there again after 2019, which, ironically, it made the list of all-time bad games for me. We were dominated there, and it was an hour rain delay, and just, you know, terrible. The town is not great. 
I don't know. It's just so tempting to go. I understand it. Um, it's close, and we were all buzzing at 3-0. So I get it. You know, I don't blame Scott for going. I feel for him, though, because being being traveling to game, putting the energy into traveling to games, particularly to Stillwater, and then coming out with a frustrating loss like that, man, it really crushes your soul. I'm sure I'll actually go again someday, but I'm certainly not drawn to it very much lately. Um, I think before um, I get into any of the game, I think it's it would be wise for all of us to hit the pause button a little bit. We need a quick reminder that it is just a game. I was feeling super down today. I mean, truly, my mood was sour last night. And, you know, part of it was because I thought my child may have fractured his skull. But um, watching that game was so frustrating, and it's carried into the Carried into the to today, which was Sunday, it kind of ruined a lot of my Sunday. But you know, I realize this is probably a humbling for the best for the time being. I mean, when I say I was obsessed over the last three weeks, I was truly obsessed, pounding the stone nonstop, if you will, um, all day at work, checking Twitter, checking the boards, scouring anything I could find to consume, to tide me over. I mean, it's it's unhealthy. It is a fun joy, I, I mean, to partake when the cats are rolling and you get to dream. But when they lose and it's affecting your mood in real time, in real life, it's time to have a look in the mirror and kind of separate the sports depression from real life, as Scott would put. Sports depression doesn't belong in, in real life. Um, it's sports. you got to separate it from reality. It is a game, after all. It's one loss. There's still eight conference games left. Let's all take a deep breath, have some perspective. Maybe you've all done this already. Maybe you're all fine, and I'm just talking to myself. But I think the general tone of Twitter, the boards, my text messages blowing up imply that we all need to just slow down for a second and relax because there are eight games left. And we just traveled to a place that we basically never win with the majority of the game being run by our third-string quarterback and a lot of our weapons out of the game. So I think we need some perspective. I think we need to take a step back. Um, It's going to be okay. Also, it helped me cleanse my palate today that Arsenal battered the fuck out of Tottenham playing scintillating football led by their academy youngsters and now sit above them in the table. But hey, that's just me. Um, But let's just all relax and let's get into the show. Before we get into the show, let me talk to you about our favorite sponsor, Spotify Greenroom. Guys, it's great. If you haven't joined yet, you're out of your mind. Um, We do shows every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. It is a free download, um, audio platform only, where basically anyone can come in, join the room, and we get to talk about the cats. Um, You can start your own rooms, actually. I'd love to see some people start their own rooms that I can join in. Um, Boneheads or whoever the hell likes to join our Spotify green rooms every Thursday at 7 p.m. We basically have a consistent group of people that come in there. I'd love to see one of you guys start a room some night, and we can all get in and talk about something else. You guys run the show, ask different questions. Um, It's great, but 
join up Spotify Green Room. We have experts come on. We have had former players. We've had people on staff. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't done it yet, check us out at 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Just follow Scott or follow the show, and we will tweet out the link and click it, join it, and it's easy, super easy. Hop in there, talk with the cats, meet other K-State fans. It's a lot of fun. So let's get into the show, um, and before I talk about anything, I guess, specific to the game, well, not 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 specific to the game because this is totally specific to the game, but before I break, try to break anything down, I'd love to do a quick rant on where the cats were jobbed. Two things need to be addressed uh, without risk of sounding like an Iowa State cyclone. I do want to mention that blown call was one of the more obvious incomplete catches I have ever seen. And really, I want to bring attention to it because I feel like it's solely because ESPN Plus is so shit, and I have such an agenda against ESPN Plus. It is truly, it's not even third tier. It's technically considered a third tier streaming option, but it's like fifth tier. Everything they do is poor. It's all the little things that they just, it's, it's, the quality is unbelievably bad. The announcers are terrible. They can't get the graphics correct. The streaming quality is bad. It's just beyond terrible. And last night, I believe it actually affected the game. It's so fucking third tier that they literally couldn't provide angles for the referee crew to adequately see the picture. I mean, that's unacceptable. That said, even the terrible even the terrible pictures that were provided, the angles provided, still showed that it was clearly a toe out of bounds. I don't really know how they could have possibly gotten that wrong. And the second thing I want to rant about, which at this point, I think the entire country could be unified about this issue. And it's not just something that I'm ranting about because K-State got the short end of the stick yesterday, is the targeting on Daniel Green. What the fuck is targeting at this point? Targeting in college football is irreparably broken. I mean, the rule is basically... It's it's a black-and-white rule, but nobody actually knows what is targeting and what isn't targeting. Um... I mean, what is a defensive player supposed to do anymore, you know? Especially when an offensive player lowers their head and their shoulders. Naturally, you're going to lower your eyes with a lot of tackles. It's just it's just natural. We see it constantly. It's just such a bizarre and stupid rule, especially when the helmet... I mean, yesterday, with Daniel Green, the hel- his helmet was driven into the shoulder pad of the player. You're telling me that that is a dangerous play that deserves a full game ejection it makes absolutely no sense absolutely no sense and if they're going to keep that same if they're going to keep those same parameters then at the very least make it less punitive um make it less punitive because unless there's like serious intent to injure a player and it's straight up helmet to helmet I mean, I think that there should be no targeting. If it if it's not helmet to helmet, I don't think it should be targeting. Lowering the crown of your helmet is nine fucking times out of ten just a normal tackle. Um, I, I don't understand. It's super frustrating, and to lose our best linebacker that early was very annoying. But um, 
yeah, give me a break. It's so stupid. It's out of control. Scrap the rule entirely. Start over. Make it less punitive because it, it makes absolutely no sense. And you shouldn't be a, a player should not be punished that harshly for a tackle that is literally fundamental. It blows my mind. And while you're at it, scrap the rule where if your helmet comes off, you have to leave the field. Where the fuck is the logic in that? I've it, that <laughs> literally makes no sense either. But I digress. Um, I'm going to try hard to kind of break down each position group like Scott and I normally would, but it's going to be a lot shorter and it's going to be a lot sweeter. Um, so starting with the offense, quarterback, um, we all saw we all saw how that went yesterday. Will Howard stat line, 4 of 12, 50 yards, 3 carries. Uh, 28 yards, uh, three carries for 28 yards and one fumble. Passing game, he had zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Lewis, uh, 10 for 19, 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception. This battle has kind of dominated the boards. It's dominated Twitter, and it's something I'm going to talk about later. But uh, not a great day from the quarterbacks, and it doesn't fill me with a lot of hope going forward. Um, particularly with Oklahoma and Iowa State looming. Um, it sounds like Skylar Thompson's going to be back at a reasonable timeline. I haven't seen anything that confirms him coming back for Oklahoma. That's the hope, but the quotes that came out of the postgame from Coach um, didn't leave me feeling very confident in that. Um, Skylar obviously was out there warming up early, getting in some reps. He looked good. He looked like he was moving fine. He had a full-on leg brace or knee brace, but, you know, he did look good. And I've heard that Skyler has been putting in tons of extra work to try to kind of fast-track this therapy and get himself back as soon as possible. And you know, you know that everyone in this ball club is desperately trying to get Skyler Thompson back uh, for that Oklahoma game. Uh, given what we saw last night, and what he's done to Oklahoma in the past, and what kind of hinges with this season. Um, we can't really afford to go forward with these backup quarterbacks if we want to have a season that is meaningful. So these three games are always going to be really, really tough. This first game was always going to be tough, um, and it's unfortunate to start 0-1. This was one that we wanted to steal. Um but going into this game with a backup quarterback and then end up ultimately playing majority of the game with your third stringer, it's going to be tough to come out of Stillwater uh, with that happening. Running backs, what can I say? I mean, really bad on the day. Not a lot of that, I think, is due to the running backs per se, but, you know, Deuce was the only back that actually got carries yesterday, um, and he was completely neutralized by the Oklahoma State defense. Irvin only got one carry on the day, which bothers me a lot. I mean, how do you only give Joe Irvin one carry? That just screams panic to me. Um, and I think Joe would have was more suited to run yesterday than Deuce Vaughn was. Joe hits those holes so quickly, and he's such a downhill runner that, um, you know, the confusion and the disruption caused by that Oklahoma State defensive line, I think, 
it, it was more suited for Joe Irvin that type of game because he could have hit a hole and he and hit it hard like he tends to do. Um, Deuce is capable of that, but you know, Deuce is more of I don't want to say a lateral runner. Obviously, he's more capable of being successful running laterally, but I would have loved, I mean, I think it's inexcusable to have Urban only get one carry yesterday, particularly how he ran against Nevada. It it makes absolutely no fucking sense, and it just, it screams panic to me, and it screams a lack of uh, plan A and a plan B um, for the coaching staff. Um, It's really, really frustrating. No carries again for Jacardia Wright. Um... And the only play he was in, we fumbled into our own end zone and was recovered for a touchdown. So, not sure what's going on with Jacardier, right? I don't think the staff trusts him at all yet. Um, of course, I'm not there at practice. I don't see what goes on behind the scenes, but I think he's a player that probably deserves to get some more carries, too. What he showed us against Southern Illinois probably warrants more carries. I, I, I don't get it. Um, and, you know, clearly they put him in, they put him in that one play to block. So if they're putting him in situations where all he's going to do is block, I don't really know why they're not putting him in, in to run the football. Because if you typically, if it's like, I, I don't trust this player, I feel like it's typically because you don't trust them to block or they're not they're not doing well in the blocking game and <laughs> I don't know to put him in it just doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't they give him carries but they're going to trust him on the fucking goal line to block in a critical situation um when they haven't given him really any carries the week prior? I don't know. I I don't think the staff really knows how they want to rotate these three running backs. Deuce is obviously number one, and he's going to get the bulk of the carries. But, you know, to give Irvin one carry and to give Jacardier Wright no carries in the last two weeks is puzzling to me. I, I don't get it. You know, I Deuce is obviously elite, but those other guys contribute, and Irvin proved it. And I think Jacardier Wright, if given actual carries, would prove it too. So... Again, I'm not I'm not behind the scenes. I don't see everything, but from the layman and from a fan's perspective, it seems like Jacardier Wright is kind of getting the short end of the stick, and Irvin certainly did yesterday. Wide receiver's best receiver on the day was Deuce. Again, not a good sign for the wide receivers. He had five catches for 73 yards. Brooks, two for 40. Knowles, three for 26. Warner had a nice catch for 21 yards. Sammy Wheeler had one for 18. He's a tight end, but... Uh, you know, Landry Weber, one for 11, and Hal, one for nine. I mean, what is there to say about the wide receivers? They struggled, and they continue to be a weak link for this team. I it's. I think the quarterback struggles and the wide receiver struggles go hand in hand. Um, you know, it's been talked about, but, and I will talk about it later, but this, the wide receivers are struggling to create separation. And when they do create separation or or they're given a 50-50 ball, they drop it. They don't go up and get it. So it's difficult. I mean, if we had an elite group of wide receivers or even a more than serviceable group of wide receivers, they'd probably make our second and third string quarterbacks look a lot better than they are. 
um, their jobs are very, very difficult. I think, you know, I feel I feel for our freshman quarterback and our third-string quarterback, Jaron Lewis, because what what really can they do? I, I don't think that the scheming is built for them, one, and two, when they have to throw and when they're given the opportunity to throw, where the fuck are they going to throw it? Because there's no one that can create separation, and when they do, they drop it. Um, offensive line struggled on the day. The interior defensive line of Oklahoma State absolutely shredded our line, and the stunts confused us. Um, offensive line had a terrible day. Uh, I mean, let me pull up some stats, but I know we had 62 yards rushing total on the day, and 28 yards of that was Will Howard. So we couldn't establish any type of run. Um <laughs> And without that, you know, our our backup inexperienced quarterbacks are not going to be able to do anything else. So I give the offensive line basically a failing grade because they were one of the worst units yesterday. Let's move to the defense. Worst game of the year, bar none. Um, defensive line, really, really poor against what has been a subpar offensive line for the first part of this year. Only recorded one sack on the day and didn't create enough pressure consistently against Sanders. Had no answer for Warren. Um, And the most frustrating part was the not creating any pressure, really, on Sanders. Um, Obviously, we know the second half happened, but the damage was done. I mean, the defense was so poor in the first half that it really gave us no chance in the game as a whole. Um, But... That line, I mean, the line was just gashed. The offensive line, the I mean, which the Oklahoma State offensive line is average at best. And yesterday they, they looked excellent. Um, they were creating gaping holes, giving Sanders enough time. And when we did get pressure, the scheme was wrong and we were in some fucking zone D that just absolutely obliterated the seams, um, just a bad day, just a bad day in general from the defensive line, really weak display, um, the fact that, you know, for a period during the game, they just abandoned the free man, the three man front kind of tells the whole story, uh, linebackers losing green obviously was huge, but, you know, even with him in, the defense was getting gashed, um, the first half, we pitched a shutout, or I'm sorry, the second half, we obviously pitched a shutout, but, you know, the first half, we were, it didn't matter, and I think Green went out in the second quarter, but by then, you know, the reality of the game had kind of been established. We, we couldn't stop a damn thing, and I think, you know, it's a combination of scheming and overall energy level, focus level, apathy level of the players, but... I tell you what yesterday really did show, without Green, those linebackers behind him, absolutely not up to par with Big 12 speed. Um, It was a tough day. It was a tough day to be a linebacker, though, facing um, Warren, (laughs) because the D-line didn't help anybody. I mean, they were just getting gashed, and a lot of the time that first contact was with Warren, and a lot of the time that first contact was with the secondary, so... 
just a bad day combo with uh, the D-line and the linebackers. Um, secondary, not good either. Um, I'm starting to worry a little bit about some of these players. Um, I know maybe yesterday was just a bad day, but um, I've been really high on guys like Russ Yeast, um, and Yeast was just fundamentally terrible yesterday. Fundamentally, absolutely terrible. Lost the ability to tackle. Um, I think Julius Brents has been, I'm not going to say he's been a bust, but yesterday he was nowhere to be found. I don't understand. He seems to really favor a cushion coverage. Um, he seems like the type of guy that should be pressing all day. And, you know, the first three games of the season, I gave him the benefit of the doubt because typically he was in position and not getting his head turned. But this is a six foot three corner uh, that people were basically saying was a guaranteed draft pick and he might leave early. He looks nothing like that. Um, you know, yesterday was the first time he actually played. Actually, that's not true. We've played some wide receivers that are pretty good so far this year. But, I mean, yesterday he was poor. But everybody was poor. Um, nobody could tackle yesterday, particularly the secondary. A lot of shoulder, high body tackles, and, um, I mean, it was really, really bad. Um, that's basically all I had to say about the secondary. The whole defense as a whole was terrible. We lost the game in the first half. You can't give up 31 points in the first half and expect to win on the road. It's just, I don't care if you pitch a second-half shutout. Uh, we knew that getting behind was going to be a death sentence yesterday. And ironically, we weren't behind early. We were up 10-7, to 7, and for a second there you thought that this was one of those games because the special teams. Let's talk about the special teams. Excellent on the day, to be completely honest. Knowles had a great kick return, gave us that 10-7 lead, and I thought, this is the night. Like, we got gashed early, but that, that has happened so many times in the history of K-State defense to get absolutely blown away on a first drive and then adjust and then, boom, sprinkle in a little kick return and everything was falling into place for us. But it wasn't to be. Obviously, they shredded our defense for the rest of the half. But the special teams, again, uh, Knowles, was, that was a great return, a really physical return. Um, and our first return of the year, unfortunately, wasn't the difference um, that I hoped it would be, but, um, coverage, kickoff coverage was mostly good. Punt coverage was good. Winkle was two for two and the punting was excellent. So I give special teams, honestly, a great grade on the day. That was probably their best game of the year. And, um, it's unfortunate that we finally got, you know, our non-offensive touchdown in special teams and it didn't make a difference at all. It gave us an early lead, but the defense couldn't help us out, and the offense self-destructed with a fumble into our own end zone. So, But overall, good day for the special teams. Um, that's it for the position-by-position position thing. I'm going to talk about some other stuff um, after this Spotify Green Room ad, folks. We love Spotify Green Room. I talked about it earlier. If for some reason you missed it, which would be really strange... Um, Spotify Greenroom is an audio-only platform that is free to download in the Apple iTunes Store. Um, I believe you can get on Android as well. I don't know anything about Android, though, so you'll have to figure that one out for yourself. Um, it's great. It's seriously one of the greatest inventions of all time. 
we have rooms every Wednesday at 7 p.m. where Scott and I open up a room, a bunch of K-State fans come in, and we talk about the Cats for that week and what's going on. We've had Taylor Bratt come on. We've had Derek Young come on, Grant Flanders, KSU fan, um, a.k.a. Jimmy. And former players, I think Brogan Berry came on. Did Tannehill come on? I don't think so, but maybe he will someday. But it's great. Um, It's a good way to meet K-State fans. It's a good way to get discussions rolling. Join us Wednesday, 7 p.m., Spotify Green Room. Free to download. Uh, Let's do it. Um, A couple other talking points I I just want to hit before we end this show. (sighs) Climbing. Climbing teams failing to handle success. Is it a trend? I think it's worth discussing. Um, 2019, we start 3-0. Everyone is buzzing, and then we drop our next two. Obviously, those teams we played were very good. Uh, We lost to Oklahoma State on the road in our house of horrors, and then we lost to Baylor and Manhattan, who, you know, ended up going to being Big 12 runner-ups. That was a Matt Rule team that was excellent, and I think they won 11 games that year. But... Following that, we beat Oklahoma in a very dramatic, emotional game, which puts us at 4-2, and two, and then everyone knows what happens. Next, we go to Lawrence, and we smash KU 38-10 to 10 in the famous Who is K-State game, and that puts us at 5-2. and two. And then we follow up with what? Losing at Texas, which there's no shame in that, but that game was up for grabs, and it's a game, honestly, if you look back at it, you could say we should have won. And then we follow that up with dropping a game to lowly West Virginia, who was one of the worst teams in the conference that year. So, again, success. Can climbing teams handle it? And what happened after that? I don't fucking remember. I know we beat Iowa State. Did we beat anybody else? Texas Tech. We beat. We go to Texas Tech on the road. We beat Iowa State at home. So we follow it up with another two-game winning streak with, you know, some success, and then we drop a game, in, uh, a bowl game to Navy, who honestly, fuck Navy, they suck ass. And we never should have lost that game either. Um, 2020, we all know what happened there. We start 4-1, and one, and then we lose five straight games. There's a little bit of caveat to this year, of course, but some of those games absolutely should have won. And it's concerning. It's absolutely concerning, you know? Games like Baylor on the road. A Baylor team that was bottom of the Big 12 outside of KU. A terrible Baylor team. Games like Oklahoma State where we basically snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Can we handle success? 2021, we're 3-0. And the pattern continues. We go to Stillwater and we lay an egg. Of course, there is a little more nuance to it than that. Without our starting quarterback, without our starting tight end, our starting linebacker and our linebacker, best linebacker on our team gets knocked out early with a bullshit-ass targeting call. We're losing Stubby Field. Stubble Field. I, it, there is nuance to it, but can we handle success? I'm not sure. The patterns of the climate era seem a little bit alarming, and they seem a little bit consistent to me, so... It's something to keep an eye on. Next topic of discussion. Klanderman completely owned in the first half, and it cost us. Um, 
I don't know how the defense was so bad in the first half, but I, I mean, it seemed like it seemed like a combination of scheming failure and the players coming out totally flat. Um, but God, Clandy had absolutely no answers. That opening drive was a mess. Really set the tone for the game. It just kind of reeked of being unprepared in all facets. I mean, they attacked the seams hard in the passing games. We had no answer. We couldn't stop the run. They're somehow shit offensive line absolutely bullied our defensive line, creating gaping holes that our linebackers were not filling. I mentioned it before, but oftentimes the first time Jalen Warren was hit was by our secondary. And once they established that, it made the game easy for Spencer Sanders, who is a quarterback that is honestly average. If you pressure him, if you make him feel uncomfortable, he will make mistakes, and we didn't we didn't do that. Um and that's something I was super confident in going into the game is that we would be able to collapse the pocket and force mistakes from Spencer Sanders, but we couldn't do it. And that's really frustrating. Um, we made him look super comfortable all night, and um, that was a huge failure. Next topic, lynch mob. Listen, I said I'm not the gatekeeper of the name and of the signal, and I'm not. But kids will do what they do. They put in the work. It's their thing. They want to throw up the lynch mob. They want to take the lynch mob persona they can. Me, personally, I'm going to cool it with the lynch mob label. Um, that was a pretty calamitous game defensively. And uh, until the lynch mob proves, you know, hey, they've got an opportunity here soon against Oklahoma. I'm going to cool it on the lynch mob. But that's just me. Next up, wide receivers. My goodness. They continue to fail, um, particularly at 50-50s. It's just drops, drop, 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 drop. And our wide receivers have absolutely no physicality, no ability to create separation. And when they do create separation, and Will Howard puts it in an area, you know, it's not a perfect pass, but it is a true 50-50 ball. We never win them. Ever. All it takes is a slight hand to disrupt them, and it's a drop. I mean, Will Howard, stat line was shit yesterday, 4 of 12. Yes, that's obviously terrible, but he had five drops. I mean, the wide receivers did not help him out at all, um, and he threw the deep ball, I thought, relatively well. He gave the wide receivers a chance every time, and they failed every time. I would kill to have a wide receiver that could go up and win 50-50s. Um, we just don't have any physicality. And Malik Knowles is just such an enigma because he'll make an unbelievable one-handed catch and he'll show how physical he is on that kickoff return and then he just drops He drops passes that hit him in the hands deep and I'm not sure he's ever going to get there, unfortunately. Next up, Messingham. I thought it was kind of a disaster class for him through the night. Um, he had a brilliant opening drive, as he normally does. I think he's he's a great schemer when he has time to, you know, script it. But when we get in, when we get away from the script, um, he struggles. Um, he's uninventive and one-dimensional. Um, oftentimes, yes, there is he's failed by execution from the players, but. Yesterday was uninventive, I would say. Running deuce 13 times, running um, right zero times, running Irvin one time. 
that's bizarre to me. That's a bizarre distribution. And I don't know. I, clearly, <laughs> ironically, we actually won the third quarter this time. But that was not because Courtney Messingham had a great third quarter plan. Um, it was mostly failures. It was mostly three and outs. And despite some fluky play where Jaron Lewis was caught in a collapsing pocket and dumped it off to a <laughs> his outlet that was standing two feet away from him, it was not a good plan. And um, I don't know. For me, even though we won the seventh uh, or the third quarter seven zero yesterday, it was still a pretty big failure in the third quarter. But I'm going to finish on the biggest talking point, which has dominated um, Twitter and the message boards and my text messages, is Will Howard versus Jaron Lewis. Um, to me, it's obvious. I think Will Howard's clearly better. Um, what we saw last night. I didn't see anything from Jaron Lewis that showed me anything that he could be the guy going forward. Howard has his issues. Yes, we all know that. But um, a 19-year-old who is coming off of a COVID season and is still very young in his career would have issues. Um, The fumble was pretty laughable. A critical error that cannot happen. That's the risk you run with Howard. Calamity always seems to be hiding in the shadows at this point in his career. It's something he absolutely has to iron out of his game. Um, But if you cannot see the progress that Will made last night, then I think you're blinded by your bias against him. Um, You know, he was taking shots downfield relatively accurately. Um, I said it, he was giving 50-50 balls to our receivers. Um, and he was putting them places that could absolutely be caught if they could make a fucking play. Um, obviously, I think Will looks his best during those scripted drives, and I think that's a reflection of the system not being quarterback-friendly, because when Mess has to scheme on the fly, I think our quarterbacks... At least the quarterback game right now goes to shit a little bit, but... You know, Will, I thought, passed the game well. He looked more composed. He hung out in the pocket better, and he's a good runner. He had great option reads yesterday, three carries for 28 yards. That's a good stat line um, before getting hurt. Jaron Lewis, I really do not understand what people are seeing. To adamantly say like they are, that he's clear-cut better than Will Howard. Uh, He left the pocket all night instantly, looked down the field maybe one time to Knowles, um, when, honestly, that was a pass that he was just tossing downfield because he was about to get blown up by a wide side blitz. We outright refused to run him, which I think is a sign that he's not even close. Um, I didn't see him working through any type of progressions. He had one really bad costly interception in the red zone, and he easily could have had three. Uh, The one play that bailed him out, bailed out his entire night was deuce, but I can't see this play as anything other than a fluky touchdown and not some composed heady play by Lewis that people are fucking making it out to be. He was being swallowed up by the pocket, and he dumped a desperation pass to Deuce, who was literally, like, fucking two yards away, uncovered. Uh, I mean, it was right in front of him, and he takes it to the house. You know, that play alone doesn't negate an overall terrible night from Lewis. He's just not very good. I don't see what other people see. Um, And smart folks agree with me. Smart folks, like, 
fan underscore KSU, a.k.a. Jimmy, a guy that has a true football brain and can see the game differently and better than any of us. Um, So guess what? I am validated. Lewis stinks. Um, Maybe he has a future, but the reality is he doesn't. I mean, the sample size for him is small, admittedly, but I don't see how people can think he has more potential than Will. I just don't. When you know, you know, and Lewis doesn't seem to have it. I mean, how long has he been in our system? He's been in our system for quite some time, and he's still third string. And that's for a reason, folks. He's just not very good. I just find it funny that, um, you know, I was so anti-Howard in 2020. I didn't think he would ever become a Power 5 Division One quarterback. And rightfully, people called that out, saying things like, you know, he had no spring ball. It's truly unfair to actually judge him on the season of 2020 and to take the smallest strides as positives. Well, now he is making strides, in my opinion, that I can see. I mean, he looked really, really solid yesterday early on in the game. I can tangibly see the strides that Will Howard has made, and I can tangibly see a future with Howard running the show. And now people are ready to burn him at the stake after two and a half games in 2021. Um, (laughs) And two of those games, he won. I mean, he won. I don't get it. We're 1-7 and seven in fucking Stillwater. We didn't lose last night because of Will Howard. We lost last night because our defense were gashed all night. Will Howard had one calamitous play that I agree was terrible and needs to be ironed out of his game. But it's just so funny that people were asking for Howard to display Skyler last year and early this year. And now they're saying Jaron Lewis should displace Howard. It's beyond ironic. It's beyond stupid. And that's all I have to say for the show today, folks. I've exhausted my ability to talk to myself, and uh, I know you guys don't want to listen to me anymore about a loss. So let's all shake off our Stillwater Blues, move on to our comfort zone of beating the Oklahoma Sooners. I love you all. Let's have a good week. Meet me at the Cathead. Drink up, baby, stay up all night With the things you could do You won't, but you might The potential you'll be That you'll never see The promises you'll only make Drink up with me now And forget all about The pressure of days Do what I say Make you okay and drive them away. The images stuck in your head. People, you've been before that you don't want around anymore. They push and shove and won't bend to your will. I'll keep them still. Drink up, baby, forget the stars, I'll kiss you again, between the bars where I'm seeing you there, with your hands in the air, waiting to find me be caught, drink up one more time and I'll make you mine.